From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Oh, howdy folks. Don't mind me, I'm just relaxing here in the courtyard of the Round the World Castle. The drawbridge is undergoing some routine maintenance, so when uh, Jim the mailman showed up earlier today, I had to go up in one of the towers and let down my hair so he could climb up and deliver the usual sack of listener letters. And I thought maybe today I'd just read a few interesting items from the latest newspaper he also happened to bring. So let me give these epistles a quick perusal, and in the meantime we'll have a 1952 listen to K-Star and the Lancers singing Fool, Fool, Fool. Fool, 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 that I was to fall for you. Fool, 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 that I was to fall for you. you darling i knew i couldn't win but i kept right on a trying was K-Star and the Lancers from 1952. Fool, fool, fool. Now, here's an interesting item from the paper that came today. The town of Lebec wants to beef up tourism and thus plans to erect what they are billing as the world's biggest lobster trap. This will be a scale model lobster trap measuring 12 feet high, 18 feet wide, and 30 feet long. It could hold people's kids while they grocery shop across the street. In fact, the netting on the inside can be used by the kids as a jungle gym and contains a hole near the bottom where the littlest tykes can escape. 
the town has been in contact with Guinness Book of World Records to make sure this one will indeed be the most giant. All right, here's Bob Merrill with Cootie Williams and his 1946 orchestra. I may be easy, but I'm no fool. Love me, you see, you took my heart from me, hand on me like a tool. Baby, I may be easy, but I'm no fool. You said you would phone, and I was home all alone, like a kid out of school. Baby, I may be easy, but I'm no fool. You said you had to have someone to tell your troubles to. I guess I had to be that dumb one and put my faith in you. I've been to all of the schools. I've never broken a rule. I'm as stubborn as a mule. Baby, I may be easy, but I'm no fool. Never broken a rule. I'm as stubborn as a mule. Baby, I may be easy, but I'm no fool. I may be easy. I may look easy. But baby, yes, I'm no fool.
I'd be a fool to fall in love again A fool to even think of love again Though the start is bright as a mayday And your heart is right in its heyday At the end that heart is dull with pain If love should ever sing to me again I would know the raven dressed up as a dove And if it tried to woo me Then I know just what would happen to me I'd be a fool again heard Frank Munn with Jacques Renard and his orchestra from 1931, I'd Be a Fool. Before that, Bob Merrill with Cootie Williams and his orchestra gave us the 1946, I may be easy, but I'm no fool. You are listening to Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. We don't really have a theme today. I'm just reading stuff from the newspaper, and maybe I'll get to a few listener letters later on. Let's see now. Hey, the main... Department of Transportation plans to put in a commuter rail line along Route 1, with spokes going into the various towns. This train will contain a special exercise car in which riders can pedal to supplement the energy used by the train. These pedal pushers will get a reduced fare. I think that's a great idea. And here's Mr. Dave Bartholomew and his orchestra with the 1949 Mr. Fool. They don't know what I'm putting down Yes, the men don't like me Cause I don't have much to say Yes, the men don't like me Cause I don't have much to say Cause when they're not around I drive their gas blues away. 
April Fool, we learned that school comes but once a year. Most everyone has lots of fun each time that they draw near. Now you can fool some folks sometime, Abe Lincoln used to say. But I will never forget the words I heard my daddy say. Oh, you can't fool an old horse fly. Oh, you can't fool an old horse fly. Now a fish can't weigh you with his scale. You know that monkeys carry tails. You cannot wear a railroad tie. You can't fool an old horse fly. very young. Now she's divorced, for she found out that she was badly stung. She's going to marry a widower, and says no one can stop her. If a grass widow marries a grass widower, will her children be grasshoppers? Oh, you can't fool an old hot fly. Oh, you can't fool an old hot fly. On Dad's coat, Ma found a big blonde hair. Ma's hair is black, and the maid is fair. Dad said he got it in the barber's chair. You can't fool an old hot fly. His wife Sal was a pretty gal, the town folks used to tell. Young Duff Brown kept calling round, they said that don't look well. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, a real good friend told Cy. Cy sent him a peck and said, by heck, I guess that'll hold that guy. Oh, you can't fool an old hot fly. Oh, you can't fool an old hot fly. Do the little honeybees make beeswax? How does it feel to sit on income tax? You can stand and at the same time lie. You can't fool an old hot fly. Dr. Small, he used to call on sick folks every day. He fell in love with a Mrs. Dove, a married woman gay. One night he fell into a well. We heard him loudly groan. I should have tended to the sick and left the well alone. Oh, you can't pull an old hot fly. Oh, you can't pull an old hot fly. Now Jack and Jill went up the hill. They took their little tail to fill. But what they found, the secret still. You can't pull an old hot fly. Spilled a can of milk upon a knitting ball. A Maltese cat drank up the milk and ate the wool and all. Soon after that, the Maltese cat had kittens, and I swan each one of her six kittens had a little sweater on. Oh, you can't pull an old hot fly. Oh, you can't pull an old hot fly. Now a bee won't hurt you when he's buzzing round, but glory hallelujah when the bee sits down. If you bob your hair, you gotta wash your neck, so you can't pull an old hot fly. Oh, You Can't Fool an Old Hoss Fly, 1924 recording by Billy Murray and Ed Small. This was preceded by Mr. Fool, featuring Dave Bartholomew and his 1949 orchestra. We're relaxing today in the courtyard with the newspaper that just came this afternoon. I see a new all-you-can-eat buffet restaurant will be opening soon. The Invasive Green Crab Palace. Patrons can belly up to enjoy green crabs 50 different ways, including green crab mac and cheese, green crab jello with shredded cabbage, green crab American chop suey, and save some room for garlic green crab ice cream and green crab flambe, all for one low price. And now the 1944-5 Redcaps are here with a stern warning. Don't fool with me. (laughs) 
please don't jive me, don't you play me cheap. The day you do, they'll plant you six feet deep. Don't fool with me, don't fool with me. If you love me like you say you do, you won't have me a dozen others too. Don't fool with me, don't fool with me. My cards are on the table, I've shown my hand. I hope that you are able to understand. Don't start cheating if you got good sense, but I've got what'll make you jump the fence. Don't fool with me, don't fool with me. Six feet deep. Don't fool with me. If you will love me like you say you do, boy. You want to have me a dozen others too. Don't fool with me. My cards are on the table. I've shown my hand. I hope that you are able. I've got what'll make you jump the fence.
You say you may learn your love song tomorrow. Fool, tomorrow is so far away. All the gold you can beg, steal or borrow, won't buy one yesterday. A handful of minutes, that's all you possess. Just share them with someone and find happiness. Oh, how long will you sing the song of the Selvin and his 1930 orchestra with The Song of the Fool. Before that, Don't Fool With Me, in a 1944 recording by the Five Red Caps. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We're in the courtyard of the Round the World Castle, relaxing with the paper and reading through the sack of listener letters brought in by Jim the Mailman. Now, here's an intriguing story from the newspaper. Did you see this? This past winter, some scallop fishermen stumbled over an old shipwreck somewhere on the bottom of the Bay of Fundy. Once brought to the surface, it was discovered to contain a cargo of men's polished wingtip shoes in various sizes, widths, and shades of black and brown. A salvage sale will take place this summer, so keep your eyes peeled. In the meantime, the ink spots have some good 1941 advice. Keep cool, fool. Keep cool, fool, if you don't know what you're doing. Keep cool, fool, cause you don't know what you're doing. Keep cool, fool, if you don't know what you're doing. Or else you're gonna bring somebody down. Keep cool, fool, if you don't know what you're saying. Keep cool, fool, cause you don't know what you're saying. Keep cool, fool, if you don't know what you're saying. Or else you're gonna bring somebody down. And it's why you find it better to be big than small. Think it's why once, twice, be and just like Humpty Dumpty on a wall, hey, you're the on a wall. Keep cool, fool, if you don't want any trouble. Keep cool, fool, all your troubles will go double. Keep cool, fool, don't you blow up like a bubble, or else you're gonna bring somebody down. Yeah. Keep cool. Oh, keep cool. Keep 
Spots with their 1941 Keep Cool Fool, which led right into You Can Fool Some of the People 
with a 1939 Jimmy Young with Jimmy Lunsford and his orchestra. I'm going to put down the paper for a minute and read a few of the listener letters that arrived today. Dear Cracklin Jane, I just want to write to tell you that ever since I started putting my hands on the radio whenever Round the World is playing on WSHDLP Esport, my acne has cleared up and a missing tooth has grown back in. I would like to encourage all your listeners to avail themselves of this completely free, no obligation service. Signed, On Solid Food Once Again. Thanks for that letter, and we should amend your testimonial with the caveat that the healing power of around the world is strongest with radios that heat up, such as your tube models. Though transistorized radios do work on a more subtle level. Now, Johnny Martin is here straight from 1929, and he's with Nat Shilkret and the Victor Orchestra. He asks, You wouldn't fool me, would you? Thank you. 
find the best hotels today, where rents are high and life is gay. Always features service with a smile. Staff is courteous and discreet. No house detectors with flat feet are there to bother you or cramp your style. However, you should always watch your step. That is if you don't care about your rep. Though you may fool the doorman, the bellhops and the floorman, you can fool the boys behind the desk. And though the manager may greet you and seem awfully glad to meet you, you can fool the boys behind the desk. Why those fellows have you spotted when they first hand you your key? You may yawn, pretend you're sleepy, act as tired as can be. But they know damn well you've got a date with that blonde in 603 Cause you can't fool the boys behind the desk A couple married 50 years checked into a hotel When they were shown the bridal suite the husband said oh hell Man we've been married 50 years I told you in advance The clerk said I could put you in a ballroom but you wouldn't have to dance A pansy swished down to the desk saying I have a complaint There's an awful odor in my room and I think I'm gonna faint the clerk said, open up your windows. It'll clear without a doubt. He said, what, open up my windows and let my pigeons all fly out? A fellow at the Lincoln had a gallop in a suite. When the room clerk called him up, he got whiter than a sheet. Have you a woman up there? He answered yes and shook with fear. The clerk said, okay, pal, the boys down here were betting you were queer. Two old maids called the desk clerk and made an awful fuss. They said there's a naked man posing right across the court from us. The clerk said, I can't see a thing. Are you sure you girls aren't drunk? They said, can't see a thing? Why, you stand up on that trunk. You can fool some of the people some of the time and a guy like me nearly all the time. But you can't fool the boys behind the desk. You may look like Lucius Beebe, have people asking who can he be. But you can't fool the boys behind the desk. But the best one is about the dame who called the other day. She said, I've got a leak in my bathtub. Please do something right away. The clerk said, go ahead, lady. No one's looking. It's okay. You've got to know the answers. Your one night stand romances. Could you can't fool the boys behind the desk. Not in Manhattan. You can't fool the boys behind the desk. That was Charlie Drew. You can't fool the boys behind the desk. And before him, we heard Johnny Marvin with Nat Shilkred on the... Victor Orchestra asking the 1929 question, you wouldn't fool me, would you? All right, let's grab another letter from the mailbag. Dear Cracklin' Jane, thank you for recommending that folks place their hands on the radio during your show to facilitate healing. I have no health issues, but find that when I put my hands on the radio, the reception comes in way better. Signed, Human Antenna. Yes, the letter writer is correct. Touching the radio does increase its antenna length because the human body can act as an antenna, thus boosting the signal. It's perfectly safe to try this at home. And now Frank Sinatra makes the 1940 observation that fools rush in where angels fear to tread. He's assisted here by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra.
Meyer Davis, La Paradise Band from 1925 with a composition entitled Fooling. This was preceded by Frank Sinatra with Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Some wisdom from 1940. All right, let's take another look at the newspaper. I see the Government Bureau of Household Appliances has been hard at work. They are preparing a ruling that after 2023, all new refrigerators must come equipped with mirrors in the back so you can see what's in there without pulling everything out. This is to reduce food waste from inadvertent science experiments. An industry representative from the Refrigeration Council says manufacturers fully intend to comply with the ruling in the future and in addition plan to send out uniformed technicians with mirror kits to retrofit older models for a nominal fee. Okay, let's have a listen now to Francis Langford with Harry Sosnick in his 1939 orchestra, Fool for Love.
the Club Royal Orchestra from 1922 that was Dancing Fool. Before that, Frances Langford was a 1939 Fool for Love. She was backed up by Harry Sosnick and his orchestra. Okay, so we're getting to the back of the newspaper now. Let's see if there's anything noteworthy in the uh, personals. How about this? To the person who stole 23 street signs recently, you forgot your wallet on the ground. Please report to the sheriff's department to pick up same. Hey, is there something going on here? Are you crackling, Jane? Well, who wants to know? We have a warrant for your arrest for felony fibbing. We're taking you downtown. Oh, no, you ain't. You're not going to take me. Come on, you. Let me go, you big galoot. I ain't going anywheres. Let me go. Hey, don't trip me. Whoa. In a flat near me lives a he and she, and I always hear them quarrel. And it seems each night at eight he says, honey, I have a date. And now she is rebelling, because last night I heard her yelling. When you step out late at night, you think I'm sleeping tight? Don't be a fool, you fool. And when you're kissing Tootsie's nose, you think I'm washing clothes? Don't be a fool, you fool. And when you cheat, and while you're cheating on me, did you ever stop to think what our little canary could see? When you're playing Romeo, you think I'm playing tic-tac-toe? Don't be a fool, you fool. Now, Tuesday night about, she was stepping out, and she met a certain party. He was dressed to kill, and he handed me a thrill. He's some Charleston dancer. Well, you can guess the answer. You must think that I'm a dub. When you say you're at the club, don't be a fool, you fool. I can tell you weren't there, but on your coat I found a hair. I'm not a fool, you fool. You're gonna lie and lie and tell me, of course, how that hair came off of a great big horse. Don't pull that on me, you pup. That big horse just calls you up. Don't be a fool, you fool. Now, when you came home last night on a crutch, I could tell you got in Dutch. Don't be a fool, you fool. Your face all cut, your nose all bent. You said, dear, it was an accident. Don't be a fool, you fool. When you came home last night, you were knocked for a loop, and what did you say? You said, honey... I fell off of a stoop, but someone knocked at someone's door. You jumped from the 19th floor, I know. Don't be a fool, you fool. Frankie Masters and his orchestra present Holy Smoke. Can't you take a joke?
coming from another day. Holy smoke, can't you take a joke? That wasn't a lipstick on my tie. That was only cherry pie. Holy smoke, can't you take a joke? That if you rub to Beatrice Fairfax asking her what to do. That if you only gave her the bare fact, she'd say, I love you. Honey, I didn't tell those lies. Must have been to other guys. Holy smoke, can't you take a joke? smoke can't you take a joke we heard frankie masters and his orchestra featuring the masters voices that recording straight from 1939 and before that whispering jack smith gave us the 1926 don't be a fool you fool and this wraps up the musical portion of round the world today since there's no jail in our town the sheriff locked me up in the world's biggest lobster trap Fortunately, since I'm small of stature, I was able to wriggle out of the escape hatch at the bottom. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. And speaking of felonious fibs, we have next a 1948 episode of the Phil Harris Alice Faye show in which Ramley wants to borrow Phil's family. So let's listen. And now the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Mary Boland, Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today, as we look in on the Harris home, Alice is reading, William is telling the children a story, and Phil has just finished talking on the telephone. Who was that on the phone, Phil? Oh, it was Frankie. He's uh, coming over to uh, see us about something. He, he wants us to do him a favor. Frankie wants another favor from us? Uh-oh. Come on, Alice. Let's hide our piggy bank. I'll hide my money first. I'll hide my annuity. And I'll hide the silverware so he can't... Oh, stop! <laughs> What's the matter with you guys? What makes you think he's coming over to borrow money? Well, Philip, he's borrowed from all of us. I've kept track of every penny he owes us, and so far it amounts to $803.22. 
Well, he put the bite on me for 500 of that. And he got to me for 300. He kept filling some meat for a quick three bucks. <laughs> well, that's only $803. Who loaned him the 22? Willie! <laughs> well, you went overboard, didn't you, kid? Gee whiz, you just mm, let it fly like that. <laughs> Sir, just reckless, aren't you? Let me ask you something. You loaned them all of 22 cents? Well, he got me in a moment of weakness. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll never see my 22 cents again. Why don't you hire Jerry Giesler and sue him? <laughs> that must be ridiculous. You don't hire a lawyer for a comparatively small sum like that. Besides, my collection agency is taking care of it. <laughs> I didn't know Frankie had borrowed money from the children. Why did you girls lend him $3? We couldn't turn him down, Mommy. He told us it was for a very worthy cause. What worthy cause? His grandfather needed a major operation. <laughs> a major operation for $3? Did Uncle Frankie tell you what they operated on his grandfather for? They removed a brass rail that was pressing against the bottom of his foot. <laughs> Look, Phil, I won't stand for Frankie coming over and borrowing money from the children. I keep telling you he don't want money this time. He just wants us to do him a favor. I wonder what kind of a wild scheme he has now. He comes up with the strangest requests. Oh, he does not. He never asks any... Now, that must be Frankie now. I wish they'd quit picking on Remley. Pretty level-headed guy. I'll say one thing for him. When he asks for something, it makes sense. Oh, hiya, Frankie. Curly, can I rent your wife and two kids for four hours? <laughs> can you rent my wife and... He must be on one of them sen-sen gags. <laughs> oh, look, Curly, I'm in a spot and i got to have a family quick. If you just lend me Alice and the kids, I'll pay you well. Frankie. Hmm? Franklin. What's the matter? What a horrible request. You want me to rent Alice and my children for money? You don't go around selling members of your family. It's unheard of, and I... I... Say, would you be interested in Willie at a bargain rate? <laughs> Curly, please, all I want is Alice and the children. Now, do I get them or don't I? Answer yes or no. Remley, before I answer that, I'd like to ask one question. Go ahead. Why do you want to borrow my wife and children? Well, you got a lot of nerve prying into my affairs. <laughs> You're not going to tell me, then I won't even listen to you. All right, I'll tell you. My Aunt Harriet is flying in from Honolulu today, and i got to make an impression on her, or I'll never inherit all that dough she's got. Wait a minute now. Hmm? Ain't that the aunt who disowned you when she found out you were a musician? She thought you were wild and irresistible? Or ear-sump-responsible? That's the one. But a friend of mine who didn't want to see me lose the inheritance wrote to her and told her that I'd settled down, changed jobs, got married, and had a few children. Remnant. Your friend never should have written a pack of lies like that just so you could inherit the money. That's a terrible thing to do. I know. I hated myself after I wrote that letter. <laughs> now, Curly, can I have Alice and the kids as my family? Auntie's just stopping over for four hours. I won't lend my family for any unhanded thing like that. But, Curly, I'm not doing this entirely for myself. You see, Aunt Harriet said if she didn't leave her money to me, she'd leave it all to help bring back prohibition. Remley, I'm not lending Alice and the children to... Will four hours be long enough? 
I knew you'd see it my way. My having a family will make Auntie very happy. Come on, let's go in and tell Alice. Okay, but look, Remley, what? if you want Alice to consent to this, you'd better not mention anything about being after your aunt's money. But I'm not after her money. I'm merely thinking of Auntie's happiness. The money is only of primary importance. <laughs> So you see, Alice, that's why I told Aunt Harriet I had a wife and children. It's been her dream to see me happily married. Will you and the kids do it for her sake? You want to make a no lady happy, don't you, honey? Well, fellas, you're putting me in a spot. I don't think Frankie should have deluded his aunt like that, but, well, as long as he did, I'll do what I can to help. Thanks, Alice. Now, look, you better brief the kids. We haven't got too much time. Auntie's plane is due in a couple of hours. Well, do we have to go to the airport to meet her? No, she said she'd come directly to the house. After I told her about my sumptuous home, she's anxious to see it. Your sumptuous home? <laughs> that room you live in is so small, it only has two walls. <laughs> well, I'll admit it's not much, but it's all I have. <laughs> Where else could I tell her to come? Say, Frankie, I've got an idea. Hmm? Why don't you send a radiogram to your aunt's plane and tell her you've moved? Give her this address and tell her this is your home. Alice, that's a wonderful idea. Sending her a radiogram telling her I live here. How'd you ever think of that? Oh, it's nothing, Frankie, nothing. But wait a minute. You think she'll get the radiogram in time? Yeah, she ought to. I sent it to her last night. <laughs> You certainly think of everything, don't you, kid? Yeah. <laughs> Always on my toes. Yeah. Oh, no, I still don't think I should do this, but as long as I promised, I'd better go tell the children I have a new husband. Yeah, yeah you won't regret this, Alice. I'll make a very good husband. I'll be considerate and tender, and who knows, you might learn to love me, for as the years go by... Wait! <laughs> what years? Listen, this is a four-hour time limit on this loan out with no options. Well, is everybody all set to greet Aunt Harriet? She should be here any minute now. I'm all ready, and I've briefed the children. Good. Kids, you sure you know what to do? Yes, Papa. Papa? Who told you to call me that? I did. I ain't gonna let them call you Daddy. Oh, Curly, you're still here, huh? Uh... It might be hard to explain you to Auntie. Maybe you better run along. Get a room with the Y or something. I'm staying right here. But, Curly, if Aunt Harriet asks who you are, what am I going to tell her? Well, we could tell her he's my father. <laughs> yeah, that ought to work. He looks old enough to Cut be... it out! Now, just tell her I'm your friend. Tell her we play in the same band together. Curly, I told you she hates musicians. She thinks I have a little business of my own. Business? What business did you tell her you were in? I told her I had a small store. Sort of a... Oh, that must be Auntie now. Come on, we'll all go to the door together. I wanted to see my whole family at once. I wonder if Auntie will recognize me. She hasn't seen me since I was two years old. In that case, you better let me open the door. Huh? The shock of seeing you growing up might be too much for that old girl. Yeah. Now, just stand back and I'll let her in. Well, welcome, Aunt Harriet. My nephew, you're no. even better looking than I pictured you. But wait, I... Oh, you've grown up to be but... a handsome, curly-headed rat, though, haven't you? But I'm not... Yeah, I guess I have at that. <laughs> now, now, aren't you going to kiss your auntie, Curly? Now, wait a minute, lady. Look, I'm trying to tell you that I'm not your nephew. Well, if you're not my nephew, who is? I am. 
Oh. <laughs> what do you mean, oh? You're not disappointed, are you? Oh, well, I got used to olives. I guess I can get used to anything. <laughs> so you're my nephew, little Francis. <laughs> Francis. Francis. <laughs> well, bless your little heart, Francie. Gee, Aunt Harriet, why'd you have to tell him that? So his name is Francis, huh? Yes, Francis Waldo Remley. <laughs> Waldo. <laughs> this gets worse as it goes along. Francis Waldo Remley. That sounds almost as bad as Spangler Arlington Bruce. Francis, Francis, you're being rude. You haven't introduced me to your wife. Oh, I'm sorry. Aunt Harriet, this is my wife, Alice. How do you do, my dear? Oh, hello, Aunt Harriet. I'm very happy to know you. Why, you're, you're very attractive, Alice. Uh, how come a pretty girl like you married Francis? <laughs> Well, there was a shortage during the war, and I had to take what I could get. Thanks a lot, dear. Uh, don't stand in the doorway, Aunt Harriet. Come on in. Uh, Auntie, I'd like you to meet my children. This is Phyllis, and this is little Alice. Oh, what adorable darlings. How are you children? We're fine, thank you. We're all right, but uh, Aunt Harriet... Uh, yes, child? What time do you explode? Uh, what, uh, what makes you think I'm going to explode? Papa said you were loaded. <laughs> uh, Francis, uh, Francis, what does that mean? Uh, the children got it wrong. Uh, you know how kids are. They got the word mixed up. Oh. I didn't say loaded. I said bloated. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Loaded. No, no. Uh, uh, have one more go at it, Waldo. <laughs> Girls, you'd better run upstairs and take your nap now. Okay, Mommy. Goodbye, Aunt Harriet. Goodbye, you little darlings. Oh, they're adorable, Francis. Take after me. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, Francis, you haven't introduced me to this charming young man. Oh, uh, this is a friend of mine, Phil Harris. Oh, this is the man that you wrote me about. Oh, he told you about me, huh? Oh, yes. He said you're the man who does a radio pro program for the company he owns. <laughs> the, the company he owns. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, you work for the Remley Drug Company, don't you? <laughs> The Remley Drug Company? Yes, you know, I think his slogan is so clever. You can depend on any product that bears the name Remley. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's Rexall. Rexall? I changed the name, Auntie. It was too ostentatious having my name on all the stores. You know how modest I am. Yes, you were always unassuming, even as a child. <laughs> yes. Say, Annie, did Waldo tell you about his 10,000 independent druggists? 
Uh, oh, yes, but uh, you, have the, you have the figures wrong, Mr. Harris. It's not 10,000. It's 400,000. <laughs> Isn't it, Francis? Uh, well, it was. Uh, but I couldn't give all those druggists my personal attention, so I sold a few hundred thousand. Oh, <laughs> oh well, you still make 50,000 drug products, don't you, Francis? Wait a minute. Now, there are only 2,000 Rexall drug products. Uh, uh, Curly's right, Auntie. I had to cut them down. I, I couldn't find enough diseases to go around. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you successful and married to such a charming, beautiful girl. Ah, oh, shucks, Aunt Harriet. <laughs> do, uh, do you know, my dear, I have a feeling I've seen you someplace before. Have you ever been in the movies? Well, I was in pictures. Oh, I she played in a that... couple of mob scenes. It never amounted to much. You couldn't have seen her. Ed, what type of picture were you in, dear? What did you do? Well, I was a singer. Yeah, she used to sing in animated cartoons for Walt Disney. Oh. She was the voice of Clara Cluck. Where is she, dear? Oh, how clever. <laughs> Would you do me a favor? Would you mind singing something for me, Clara? Uh, uh, Alice. Well, I'd like to, but I'm not prepared. I haven't had my feed yet. <laughs> Honey, if Auntie wants you to sing, sing. Frankie, I can't sing like that. I'm no chicken. Never mind your age. <laughs> now, look, you, you go ahead and sing for Auntie like a good little Plymouth Rock. Oh, all right. One of these days, you fellas are going to get me Irish up and bring out the Clancy in me. Now, Clancy was a peaceful man, if you know what I mean. The cops picked up the pieces after Clancy left the scene. He never looked for trouble, that's a fact you can assume. But nevertheless, when trouble would dress, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy, oh, the Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. Now O'Leary was a fighting man. They all knew he was tough. He strutted round the neighborhood, a shooting off his guff. He picked a fight with Clancy, then and there he sealed his doom. Before you could shout, oh, Larry, look out! Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy, oh, the Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 boom. Now Mulrooney walked into the bar and ordered up around. He left his drink to telephone, and Clancy drank it down. Mulrooney said, who drunk me drink, I'll lay him in his tomb. Before you could pat the top of your hat, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, the Clancy, oh, the Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom. Boom, 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 Now the neighbors all turned out for care to gray this wedding night. McDougal said, let's have some fun, I think we'll start a fight. He wrecked the hall and kissed the bride and pulverized the groom. Then quick as a wink, before you could think, Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, that Clancy, oh, that Clancy. Whenever they got his Irish up, Clancy lowered the boom, 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 Clancy lowered the boom. Oh, 
wonderful, my dear. Francis, I think you should reward Alice with a kiss. A kiss? Oh, uh, Auntie, uh, uh, Francis is very bashful, you see. He doesn't like to kiss Alice in front of me. Do you, Francis? Oh, I don't mind. Fuck her up, honey. I'll cut! <laughs> uh, Auntie, I, I, look, Auntie, it's getting late now. I better drive you to the airport so you don't miss your plane. Oh, I couldn't think of leaving until I see my grandnephew. Francis, what time does your son come home from school? Well, he won't be home until... Son? Did I write to you about my son? Why? <laughs> Why, of course. Don't you remember? Why, you told me all about little Clyde. <laughs> Clyde? Of course. Why, surely you haven't forgotten your little boy, Clyde. <laughs> Clyde, Crail, Remley. <laughs> oh, Clyde. Of course, little C.C. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen him around today. Alice, have you seen Clyde lately? No, I haven't. Phil, didn't you take him out for a walk last night? Yeah, but he couldn't have gotten away. I had the leash on him. <laughs> leash? Oh, well, don't pay any attention to Curly. He's always kidding. Somebody once told him he's a comedian. <laughs> Clyde is away at school. He won't be home until the Christmas vacation. I just can't leave until I've seen him. I know. I'll cancel my plans and stay over with you and Alice. You're going to stay here? Till Christmas? <laughs> oh, Remley, you're really stuck. That old lady's going to stay with you and Alice. She can't do that! <laughs> now, wait a minute, Annie. You've just got to leave here now. Please, you... Uh, sorry, Mr. Harris. I am determined to see my grandnephew. I'm staying until Clyde gets home. But I tell you, I... you, Remley, may I see you outside alone, please? Yeah, sure, Curly. Excuse me, Annie. I'll be right back. Is something bothering you, Curly? Look, Francie, hmm? you've got to get your aunt out of here. Oh, please, Curly, give me a little more time. All i got to do is get some kid to pose as my son, and she'll leave happy. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Frankie, what? where are you going to get a kid to pose as your son? We can't find any kid who'd be willing to come in Hi, here. Mr. Harris, I brought the groceries. Well, little Clyde has come home. <laughs> my son, my son. <laughs> Stop yapping and climb upon my knees, sonny boy. Stop dragging me up on your lap or I'll kick you right in the shins. Shame on you, Clyde. Talking to your poor old father like that. Don't tell me how to talk to... What was that last crack? (laughs) Now, Julius, I have news for you. I'm going to become your father. Oh, mother, how could you do this to me? No, look, Ted, I'm not actually going to be your father. I just want you to pretend you're my son for a few hours. Miss Faye will be your mother, and if you do it, it'll make my old aunt happy. Let me get this straight. (laughs) Miss Faye's going to be my mother, you're going to be my father, and your old aunt's going to be happy? That's right. Will you do it, kid? What do you say? Hit the road! <laughs> Julius, let me put it this way. Would you be my little boy for, say, $10? For 10 bucks, I'd be sparkle plenty. <laughs> when do I stop? Right now. Here's your 10 bucks. I'll go tell Auntie that I called to school and they're letting you come home. Curly, I'll warn Alice. You tell Julius what to do. Okay, okay. Now, look, Julius. 
I got to make sure we get rid of Aunt Harriet, and you're the one that can do it. Now, listen to me, kid. If I were to slip you another $10, could you be nasty to Auntie? It's possible. <laughs> of course, for 20 bucks, I could be obnoxious. <laughs> and for 25, I could be positively revolting. Here's 30. Just be your natural self. Now, listen closely, kid. Here's the setup. You're supposed to be nine years old, and you've been away to school. And when you come in, I want you to... What time do you expect to decide home? Uh, Curly went to pick them up. They should be here any minute now. We're all ready and waiting for little Clyde. <laughs> right on cue. Come in. Well, I got him, Frankie. Here he is. Little Clyde. Oh, isn't he cute? Such an adorable youngster. But um, isn't he rather tall for a nine-year-old? Uh, yes, he's big for his age. Oh, Clyde, I'm so glad to see you. Well, aren't you going to greet me? Come, dear. Say something to your old auntie. Goo! <laughs> he's nine, and all he says is goo. He's stupid for his age, too. <laughs> Stand there, Clyde. Come over here and give your auntie a great big kiss. I don't want it. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Of course, you just came home. Go over and kiss your father first. I don't want it. Well, then, go over and kiss your mother. Now you're talking. Why don't we... Stand back. <laughs> Take one step and I'll break your little leg. Yes. Mr. Harris, don't you dare talk that sweet little child that way. Come here, Clyde. Sit on my lap. Up. See Daisy. Up. See Daisy. Stop bouncing me on those bony knees. <laughs> he has a sense of humor, Francis. <laughs> He's just like you when you were a child. He resembles you in many ways. He doesn't look at all like Alice. Thank you, Aunt Harriet. <laughs> No, no, he's the image of his father. He looks just like you, Francis. If she wasn't an old lady, I'd punch her right in the nose. Now, Clyde, that's no way to talk to your aunt. You apologize this minute. Nonsense, Alice. The boy has spirit, and I like, I like him for it. He's a real Remley. Can't she say anything without insulting me? I'm glad you like Clyde, because when you leave me your money, it will eventually go to Clyde. Oh, uh, why, eventually, Francis. You know, I've been thinking, with all the money you make in your drugstores, you won't need any of mine. So I'm going to change my will and leave everything to little Clyde. But, Aunt Harriet, you can't do that. Uh, I've made up my mind, Francis. Well, I'd better get going or I miss my plane. Yeah, but supposing something goes wrong and I lose all my drugstores, where will I get money? Well, in that case, you'll just have to wait until Clyde blows up. Blows up? Yes. He's the one who's loaded now. <laughs> She's leaving all her dough to me. Now, look here, Julia. Temper, temper, Waldo. <laughs> Listen, Julia, you little so-and-so. I'll break every... Don't bun. you dare talk to me that 
touch my wealthy little body. But that dough belongs to me. I'm supposed to get it. Don't worry. I'll take care of you, Pops. You will, kid? Sure. After I die, I'll leave what's left to you. When I'm older, I'll die before you do. You'll outlive me and... Outlive me? Remley, get away from my gun case. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1948 episode of the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, and we remind you that WSHDLP Eastport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any products. Now, stay tuned for a 1956 episode of X-1, The Lungamina. Countdown for blastoff. X-5, 4, 3, 2, X-1, fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with Galaxy Science Fiction Magazine, presents... X minus one... Tonight, The Lungamina by Gordon R. Dixon. Blame Clay Harbank, if you like, for what happened at Station 563. Or blame Bill Peterborough, the one we called the kid. I blame no one. I'm a Dorsai man. That means I was brought up on one of those tiny planets a million light years from nowhere. Being a Dorsai man is quite a responsibility. We are a very polite people. We have to be. Because when we get angry, we fight to the death. It all began that evening that Clay Harbank began reminiscing about his home planet, Lulungamina. We were sitting around the recreation room of 563. There was a card game going on in one corner. Lulungamina. The very name sounds like music, doesn't it, Mort? You know me, Clay. I'm a Dorsai man. I've been in the Dorsai planets. I've seen them all knocking around this universe for 35 years. But when it comes to sheer beauty, Lulungamina. How long since you've been home, Clay? Home? 20 years, Mort. 20 stinking, miserable years? Well, that'll be over soon. Another 10 days. You gonna miss old 563? Miss this godforsaken little asteroid? Not for a minute. I will miss your ugly face around here. At least I will. I'm gonna miss your gloomy dorsi puss, too. <laughs> Mort, why don't you get out of it? You've had more years in space service than any of us. 
You've probably got enough credits to get out, too. Me? I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Couldn't you go home? You should know better than that. The Denebrian trouble? The Denebrian trouble? You could go to Earth. What for? Ever been there? Never once. And I've never wanted to. I've seen too many Earthmen. Like the kid over there. Mm, He's green in service. He's full of greed and stupid hate like the rest of them. No, that's not for me. Looks as if the game's breaking up. Here he comes. Well, if it isn't the big gambler from the Windy Planet, uh, what's its name? Lulung Gomina. Yeah. How's the piggy bank coming, Dad? The piggy's a gentleman, kid. He never overeats, so he won't ever get indigestion. <laughs> Sour grapes. You see this water credits? 500. How long you have to work for 500 credits, Dad? How many trips you have to make around this asteroid? How much closer to fall in your grave you have to come? You look as if you made a killing. I always make a killing. I'm a natural-born gambler. And I don't just talk about it like some. I think I'll go out and take a turn around the station, Mort. Fine, I'll go with you. It's, uh, stuffy in here. Don't bother. I'd rather be alone. (laughs) Big shot. Knocked around the planets for 35 years. Used to have a reputation as the hottest gambler in the systems. Comes from the most beautiful planet in the universe. Bull. Why don't you lay off him? Kid, let me give you a piece of sound advice. Go ahead. Lay off Clay Harbank. He's been around the systems a lot longer than you have. He may not be any chicken, but he's a tough baby when the situation calls for it. You trying to scare me, Mort? I thought you Dorsai guys were smarter than that. I'm beginning... No, look, kid. No, 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 look. No, no, no offense, Morty. You... I, I mean, I wasn't trying to insult the Dorsai people or anything. I, 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 I got to go do a flight check. I'll see you. We were in bad shape. The 20 of us at Frontier Station 563 on the very edge of the human area had gone sour. Half the men had applications for transfer in already. What I told the kid about Clay being tough, well, that was a bluff to keep him off. Nobody knew better than I did that Clay was burned out inside like a used-up rocket. I put on a spacesuit and went out to join him. Oh, hi, Mort. Hi. Beautiful night, huh? Nice. Back on Lulungamina on a night like this, the rakish flowers open up. And you can hear them singing. There are six moons, and every one of them is like a yellow lantern. My mom and dad and I used to live on the edge of a lotus pool. Here I go talking about home again. Hmm, Figures. A guy who's been saving up for ten years to get home is bound to start thinking about it when the time comes. I wish you could come with me, Mort. Clay, tell me something. Yes? Do you ever get the urge to gamble again? Do I get the urge to gamble? Mort, you ever watch a man who's been on P.O.N. for a while? When he's broken the habit, you can't get him near the stuff. He despises it. And yet, the same man is liable to go back on with no provocation. Well, that's the way it is when you've gambled all your life. I figured. Maybe that's why I keep talking about home. Every time I hear the kid flipping those cards in the recreation room, I start talking about home. Have you noticed? I've noticed. But this time I'm going to make it, Mort. I tried three times before. 
This time I've got the dough and I know I'm going to make it. I think you will, Clay. You know what did it? Mm. Lulongomina. That's what saved me this time. The thought of that beautiful planet. Well, when you get there, you can send me a phototape. <laughs> At the rate we get visitors, it should reach me in five or six years. You'll be out by then. You'll be home. I'll never go home, Clay. Never. Well. That's Red 4. Screens must have picked up a ship in the galaxy. Maybe we'll get a visit. Uh, keep us from going loco anyway. Coming in? No, I think I'll stay out a while. Well, I'm going to check the screen. See you later. Red 4 meant simply that a ship was entering the galaxy. The chances of it touching down on 563 were pretty remote, unless it happened to need a clearance for Earth or Mars. The screen was black by the time I got there, but the kid was filing a report. Oh, hiya, Mort. Hey, what's a Hicksip rod like? Why? We're having one for a visitor. You don't say. I just came in over the receiver. What'll he be like? A Hicksip rod? Mm. Mm, Stiff as a poker, proud as Lucifer, honest as sunlight and tied as a camel on his way through the eye of a needle. What do they look like? Oh, they're kind of humanoid, but they have a deadpan face that never changes, like a mask. Well, they're a little scary, I hear. Oh, that's a green skin and the scales. Also, they run about eight feet tall. <laughs> I wouldn't tangle with one if I were you. Back on Denebria once, I saw a Hixabrod rip a man to ribbons with its claws. Why? The man made the mistake of insulting Hixa. That's one of the twin planets they come from. Pretty touchy, aren't they? Not really. They're a very level-headed race. You know the Hixabrod reputation, don't you? No, you didn't hear much about them on Earth. Well, they're the first and only mercenary political arbitrators in the known universe. A Hixabrod can be hired, but he's absolutely incapable of being influenced or bribed. He tells the cold truth and nothing but the cold truth. And, brother... When a Hicksabrod tells you the truth, it's plenty cold. It really lets you have it, huh? They're a small race and very much in demand. If some kind of political dispute comes up from planetary to inter-alien, both sides hire a Hicksabrod to represent them. That way they know the other side is being completely honest. Well, that's very interesting, you know. Very interesting. <laughs> I could tell there was something on the kid's mind, but of course I didn't know what it was. Most of the talk in the recreation room that night centered around the arrival of the Hicks abroad. Landing beacons were turned on, and we waited for another radio communication. Hey, anybody want to sit in on this next hand? What? No, thanks. Well, I know better than to ask the galaxy's foremost gambler here. That's right, kid. Well, maybe when this Hicksabrod gets here, we'll be able to work up a decent game. Do Hicksabrods gamble? No, kid, they don't gamble. That's too bad. Well, we can always sit and listen to you lying about what a beautiful place La Lungamina is. Kid, you just went too far. Yeah, you're going to do something about it? That's right, I'm going to punch your little nose. Uh, you... hey, break it up! Break it up! Clay, you all right? Yeah, I'm... I'm okay. Well, you better get to the infirmary. Have your mouth taken care of. Kid, you get to your quarters. Since when are you giving orders? I'm telling you to get to your quarters. You better do what he says, kid. He's a Dorsai man. That's all I've been hearing since I got here. What big gamblers come from La Lungamina and how Dorsai men are killers. So far, I've seen nothing, but I heard a lot of talk. You're going to get to your quarters? 
I'll give you five seconds to start moving. You better go ahead, kid. Okay, okay, Mort. I'm letting you bluff me out of the game this time. Just remember, there's going to be other games. Next time, I won't be bluffed. He left the recreation room. I felt a slight and not unpleasant shiver run down between my shoulder blades, and my eyes were still hot. I'd almost lost my control that time, and my senses told me I'd better be careful. For the next three days, the tension of 563 was almost unbearable. Clay Harbank seemed to age 20 years after the kid knocked him down. Now hear this, all personnel. Now hear this, all personnel. A ship is approaching for flight check. A ship is approaching for flight check. Report to Central. Report to Central. Well, this is it, Clay. We're getting the Hicks abroad. Seems almost like home having a Hicks abroad with us. They're all over the Tarzian system, you know. You speak Hicks abroad? You have to on Lulungamina. Oh, I didn't know that. I picked it up during the third exploration. Long time ago, huh? <laughs> We're not getting younger, Clay. Yeah, I found that out. Ah, don't take it so big. He's just a punk kid. Sure, and I'm just a dumb old man. Ah, oh, forget it. Ah, that's touchdown. You ought to be here in a minute. Well, that does it. He's down. Look at that ship, huh? Let's go. You'll need some help with his baggage. The ship was a silvery one-man job, the kind that have taken the Hicks abroads all over the universe. The cabin door slid back, and the Hicks has stepped out. He was as green and scaly as a lizard, but there was a certain unmistakable dignity in his bearing. Since I spoke the language, I was the first to greet him. Belt the Hutch and Hicks abroad. Welcome to this place. I greet you, Dorsai man. My name is Mort Bjansky. I am called Dorlasis. Come. I'll show you to your quarters. Thank you. How, uh, how long will you remain here? Only for one night. I wish clearance for Mars. I'm sure it can be handled. This way. I wondered how he knew I was a Dorsai man. And then it seemed obvious. My broken nose, the scars, the lined face. Nobody could mistake a human from the Dorsai planets. Still, it scared me a little. I kept wondering if he had anything to do with interplanetary police. I tried to put it out of my mind. It was no use. Mind if I come in, Clay? Sit down. Have a smoke. Thanks. Where's the Hicks abroad? In his room, getting cleaned up for dinner. Strange guys, aren't they? Well, there's something even stranger going on. What's that? The kid's in there with him. With the Hicks? Mm-hmm. What do you suppose they're talking about? I don't know. I wish I did. Kid's probably trying to get the Hicks into a dice game. I doubt it. What's on your mind, Mort? Clay, you've been around. Are there any Hicks abroads in interplanetary police? A few. Why? I don't know. I just had a feeling, you know. Oh, you're dreaming up bogeymen. Maybe. Besides, you're not in any trouble outside the Dorsai system. I killed a human, Clay. Not deliberately? In a rage. 
Happens all the time on Dorsai, doesn't it? Not to an officer of Intergalactic. Besides, that was 25 years ago. There's no statute of limitations in the systems. Nobody knows but me, right? You don't have to be clairvoyant to wonder why a man hasn't been back to his home planet for 25 years. You uh, think the kid... I don't know. He's got no love for me. Still, he doesn't know anything. How would he know this Hicksabrot is an agent, if he is? Couldn't say. Where are you going? Well, I think I'll take a look at that message the kid filed. The one we got when we first picked up the Hicksabrot on the screens. Let me know what you find, if anything. I walked through the empty corridors to the communication center. I went directly to the files where incoming messages are kept and flicked the tab until I got to notices of arrivals. There, two days before, was a report of the arrival of Dorlasis. I ran my finger down the statistics until I came to the line that said, Point of Origin of Flight. It read, Tarsian Galaxy. That was where Clay Harbank's Lulongamina was. I read further, where it said, Nature of Business. My blood ran cold as I spelled out the words, Criminal... Welta Hotchin Hicksabrod. I greet you, Dorsai man. Is there anything you require? Nothing, thank you. I uh, came to tell you that we'll have dinner tonight at 800 hours. The young Earthman has already informed me. There's a shortage of raw meat here. I've brought my own food, thank you. I uh, see you came in from the Tarsian planets. Yes. You didn't happen to be in the Dorsai planets before that? No. Oh, I thought perhaps you might have some news. I came from intergalactic headquarters. Yes, I uh, I saw your flight check. Then you know my mission. Yes. Good. How long do I have to pack? I will be leaving at 700 hours tomorrow morning. Can you be ready by then? Yes, I guess so. Good. I uh, don't suppose there's any point in appealing to you. Hicksabrods are supposed to be totally without emotion. There is no point in appealing. <laughs> Funny thing. I've been running away from this moment for 25 years, and now that it's come, I'm glad. We'll uh, be going back to the Dorsites? Yes, to intergalactic headquarters. After all these years. Home. I don't suppose a Hicksabrod knows what that feeling is like. I will expect you at 700 hours. Now, if you don't mind, I wish to prepare my food. One thing. Yes? Did the young Earthman tip you off about me? No. Funny. I could have sworn it was him. That was that. When a Hicksabrod tells you no, you can bet your life he isn't lying. I began to wonder how they located me. I began to wonder what he and the kid had talked about. I began to wonder a lot of things. Well? He's an agent for Intergalactic. Well, that doesn't prove he's after you. He is. How do you know? I just talked to him. Lord in heaven. Ah, uh, it isn't so bad, really. Just think, I'll be going home. <laughs> I'm going to kill that kid. Clay. I'm going to kill him. Clay, listen to me. The kid didn't turn me in. You said... I said he was talking to the Hicks. I just asked him, and the Hicks told me it wasn't the kid. 
They don't lie. So don't go blowing off. It's going to be hard. Ten days. It doesn't have to be ten days. What do you mean? How many credits do you need to buy your way out? Another 500 next payday. Don't wait. Don't wait? I have over 900 credits. I'll turn them over to you. Mort. Listen, I don't need them. You can pay off tomorrow and fly as far as the Taj and Chain with me and the Hicks. It's a very nice thing, Mort. Will you do it? I'll think about it. Let you know after dinner. I thought of running away, but there was really no place to run once they tracked you down. And the Hicks abrouds were utterly relentless once they'd agreed to bring a man in. Since they had no feelings, they made no judgments. They were absolutely certain that a man would get a fair trial. I packed my stuff and went into dinner. The Hicks abroad was at the head of the table eating his raw chinsu meat. Pass the gravy, please. Door Lassus. Yes? They tell me that the Hicks abroad home planet is a very beautiful place. It is true. Well, I'm from Earth myself. Yes. I'm curious to know what this beautiful planet of yours looks like. The kid's pretty talkative tonight. What's cooking? I don't know, but I don't trust it. The flora and fauna are maintained in excellent natural balance. No local surplus has exceeded 1% of the normal population for the last 60,000 years. Life on Hixa is predictable. The weather is controlled within the greatest limits of feasibility. The symmetry of the landscape is without parallel in the universe. Very pretty picture. Very attractive home world. But I regret to inform you, Dorlassis, that I've been given to understand that it pales into insignificance when compared with another beauty spot in our universe. Your Earth? I wish I could say yes. No, no. This place is so wonderful, I doubt if an Earthman like me could get in. In fact, I've never seen it. But I've been hearing about it for some months now. And either it's the most wonderful place in the universe or the man who's been telling me about it is a rotten liar. Get your gun, kid. Get your gun. Why guns? You call me a liar. Why use guns when it's possible to prove the thing one way or another with complete certainty? For months now, you've been telling me two things. One, that you used to be a gambler. Two, your precious Lulungamina is the most wonderful place in the universe. The question is, is either statement true? They're both true. You'll back them up? With my life. I'm not asking you to back them with your life. Just back them with that nice little hoard you've been accumulating all these years. Clay, don't. Well, you said you were a gambler. Bet with me and prove it. Suppose I do. How do we prove my statement about Lulungomina? That's easy. We have with us at this table a Hicks abroad. In a conversation with him, I found out that he's just visited every planet in the Tarzian chain. Now, as everyone knows, a Hicksabrod never lies. Do you think you could judge this point, Dorlasis? The point can be judged. Well, gambler... Clay, it's a trick. Don't bet. How much will you bet, kid? All I got. The equivalent of ten years' pay. Well? You're on. <laughs> Dorlasis, okay if I question you? Proceed. You've been to the planet in the Tarzian chain, which this man calls his home? I must ascertain the position of the planet. The fourth planet. Ah, yes. The one with six moons. That's it. I've been there recently. As you well know, since we spoke of it only this afternoon. We did speak of it, that's true. Now, will you tell me, you, you know the planet. Yes. You know its geography. I do not repeat myself. 
Is it a large planet? No. Is it a rich planet? No. Was there not a rain of radioactive fallout from an explosion of a nearby star only five months ago? There was. Did it not destroy every piece of vegetation and leave this planet a gutted, smoking ruins, charred and ugly? It did. Well, gambler? You haven't asked him the main question yet, kid. Would you like to ask him? All right. Hicksabrod, the question to be judged is this. Is Lulongomina the most beautiful and the most wonderful place in the universe? Yes. It is. What? Well, kid? It's a trick. It's a rotten trick. I don't believe it. The hexes. <laughs> the eyes of the Hicksabrod were narrow and baleful as he pushed back his chair. You could almost feel them burning as he dragged his scaly feet over toward the kid. He stopped about six inches from the kid and held both his hands up, palms near the kid's eyes. There was a clicking sound, and we watched 11 sets of gleaming razor-like claws shoot up from the tips of the Hicksabrod's fingers. Their points were almost against the kid's eyes. Look at my hands, Earthman. Are they not clean? Yes. Do you doubt that I have told the truth? No, no. Then there is nothing further to discuss. I bow to you, gentlemen. I thank you for your hospitality. You will excuse me. We stood around and watched that proud, frightening figure drag itself out of the room. The kid was trembling like a leaf as he drew a bank draft for ten years' pay and handed it to Clay Harbin. The next morning, Clay and I boarded the Hicks Abroad ship, and four days later, we touched down at the outer planet of the Tajan chain. Well, this is where I get off, Mort. I... I don't know what to say, really. I guess you know how I feel. Think I do, Clay? Let's just say so long. There will be no need for goodbyes. What? Both of you are leaving the ship here. But I thought I... I intend to return to intergalactic headquarters empty-handed. Empty-handed? But, but they'll question you. What will you tell them? The truth, of course. But... You have told me nothing. But I assume... I am not interested in your assumption. You asked me my mission. I told you it was a criminal investigation. You said you assumed you would go back with me. And I told you when my ship was departing. There is nothing more to be said. But surely you know... What? Don't say anything. A Hicksabrod deals only with facts. What is absolutely known. They're the most literal beings in the universe. Let it go at that. Goodbye, gentlemen. I am grateful for the pleasure of your company. Five minutes later, Clay Harbank and I shook hands at the exit of the spaceport on Tarsus 10. But before we parted, there was one thing I had to know. Clay, one thing before you go. Yes? How did you know the Hicksabrod would lie about Lulungamina? He didn't lie, Mort. A Hicksabrod never lies. But Lulungamina... Mort, let me tell you something. Lulungamina is a word in use throughout the Tarsian planets. Actually, it's a Hicksabrod word. It means home. All I did was ask the Hicksabrod if home was beautiful. He simply said yes. And a Hicksabrod, as everybody knows, doesn't lie.
Tonight, by transcription, X-1 has brought you Lulungamina, a story from the pages of Galaxy written by Gordon R. Dixon and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Ralph Camargo, Ned Weaver, Jack Grimes, Bob Hastings, and Kermit Murdoch. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-1 was directed by Daniel Sutter. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We have just heard a 1956 episode of X-1, entitled Lulunga Mina. Strewn with love 
Doubleheader of April Showers. That was Charles Harrison in 1922, and we started our bonus set with Ellen DeWitt with Jan Sabat and his orchestra in 1941. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Around the World's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. for Jazz Potpourri, airing Wednesdays from 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. with a repeat on Saturdays from 4 to 6 p.m. 
from divas to crooners, from the streets of New Orleans to the clubs of Paris, with a little Latin added for spice, Jazz Potpourri is an auditory mix for your listening pleasure. Join me Wednesdays and Saturdays on 93.3 FM, WSHD LP, Eastport. I'm all about that bass. Hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on WSHDLP in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means. Every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you missed the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. <laughs> 